Cowabunga dudes! Uh, hey there, it's Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you are listening to Grail Hunters Australia podcast with my friends Neville, Ben, and Michael. It's awesome. It's gonna be the best show ever! Hello and welcome to Greylands Australia podcast. Pull up a seat, crack a beer and join us as we reminisce, reflect, assess, speculate, commentate and dissect all things comics and collectibles. Hello. Got it. Hey guys, how are you going? I am excellent. Very good, we're good. We're welcome back. Fun. Welcome back, Benny. Uh, it's episode two of season five today uh, and we've got a special guest, James Anthony Joseph. Uh, Hello born, everyone. Born to be a serial killer with a three name three name like that it's uh it's good stuff <laughs> welcome welcome to the podcast mate um, thanks thanks for having me guys yeah so uh some background on yourself i know we were chatting a little bit before we started recording but um you've obviously got the the track record and uh street cred to be on a podcast and advise people around what to do and what not to do i guess um oh i hope so i'll let I you mean, introduce been... yourself yeah. So, as Neville said, my name's James. Uh, um, look, I've been in collectibles for the broader part, mainly pop culture, uh, for 30 years. So, my dad's been in it since the 60s. Yeah, we've got to contextualise um, was... the 30 years, right? You're like 32, so... 30, 33, going on oh, 33. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I sold my first comic at uh, three years old. So, I've been oh, doing right. it a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and my dad, as I said, he started when he was seven. So back in the 60s. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's a lot of the older guys on the pages and in the no, groups no, and in the yeah. community know him really well. And yeah. I had no choice. I was brought up on comics. So, okay. and, you know, toys and the rest. So I, I, I've, I've learned to love it. And Have um, you always had the passion of... for it or has it always just been a mechanism it to was... generate revenue? Yeah, it was. No, no. I, I, look, it, it started with passion and then revenue was introduced to it. But, um, you know, the passion kind of came and went as, as you grow up, you know, girls yeah. and drinking became more of a passion and then oh, yeah. you circle back as you get older. And you think, I lost oh, a lot of keys along the way because of that. Girls and drinking <laughs> well, I sold, a, I, like, oh, I sold an X-Men. I sold an X-Men number one in 2008 so I could go to schoolies. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I yeah. sold Fantastic Four 48 uh, for experience of, Beatles, Silver Age, a whole bunch of them at a book exchange in 1996. So I can go out on the piss for the weekend because we had to drive. Yep, to but... So you do what you do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's part of the learning experience and part of the fun. But um, no, look, I've been in it for a, a really long time. And yeah. what is your dad's um, shop um, called again? Uh, my dad, my dad never had a shop. Um, oh. his, his name was John. Yeah, I had the shop actually. So I opened oh, Unlimited Gaming and Collectibles in 2016. Um, ran it for 2016, 2017, 2018. But as we discussed before we jumped on, the online revenue was 90% of the revenue in total, yeah. total revenue. So it wasn't really feasible to, to keep running the physical side of the store and yeah. all the contacts I had in person, I kept anyway, the, the larger clients. Um, but, you know, before that I was doing, I started doing my own fairs since, well, 2010. Yeah. So when I was about, so I was 20 years old and, yeah, so I've been doing a long time. How many guys do that? Because I, I, I know there's a real romantic appeal to the comic book store. You know what I mean? Like, we, we just, we quite often, like, never or I, we've talked about it. Like, what is our perfect venue and what would be there and all that type of stuff. But, um, I think you're right. Unless it's it, it, it's such a destination shopping area that it draws people in off the street. It's just a money pit that you may as well just run everything on, on, online, you know, because most yeah. of the ones that I see that carve out a fairly, um, well, at least a, a subsistence existence like um, uh, what's uh, what's that chap, um, Big Comics, you know. Um, oh, like Fats Comics, yet. like Fats Comics yeah. and, and uh, yeah. Pennies and those uh, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's small off off the beaten track type places where rent's cheap and that type of thing. It's kind of like you, you, it's going to be hard to attract um, uh, a lot of foot traffic there. The people we've talked yeah. to that spend a lot of money on getting that foot traffic 
venue or that foot traffic rental place um, shop from. Yeah, it just we, often, we often we we often uh, have this hypothetical scenario of what would it make to create a destination where people want to come and fucking hang around and maybe buy something, maybe not, but you still, you know, maybe get revenue from a fucking coffee machine in the corner or something like that. Well, so, so you got to diversify, right? You got to have a little that's bit right. of That's right. I was also into uh, trading card games as another hobby again. And I've been playing magic the gathering since the nineties, because mm. if you, if you're into one, one of one of these hobbies, you're into all of them. Yeah. That's yeah, usually the way it works. So yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had the gaming table when I first opened and everything, and I had this vision of we'll draw people in, they can sit down, play card games and board games. didn't really take off. Um, I was in Turak, so it was a, a bit of a drive. You, you think about the demographic and yeah. the lo- of the location and you say, well, it's an affluent area, you're going to get people with a lot of money. But the reality is it was all people from the, the north and western suburbs. That was the, predominantly the marketplace, and they were – or the market base, and they were traveling, you know, yeah. 50 minutes to an hour to get there. So yeah. in hindsight, I probably would have opened up um, the northern or northwestern suburbs. That's yeah, seems to be where the all, all the comic sold, book collectors are. If you sold cocaine under the counter at uh, Turek, you might have. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, comment. Um, that's why, that's why James retired. That's why James yeah. retired. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, that's cool, man. So, so flash forward a few years. Obviously, after you closed up the shop, you you didn't really necessarily stop selling and buying, right? I I think ironically, maybe it's just because I know you better, or I've gotten to know you over the time. You probably scaled more significantly in what you've purchased to resell and how you sell over the past three years since COVID started. Correct. Yes, and and it's very um, market dependent. So there's cycles in the market. You know, the last what four or five years we've seen as this booming period and a lot of the newer collectors entering the market or sellers, resellers, they've seen it as the normal um, where, you know, I was having a conversation with a young guy that deals in comics the other day and he was buying some comics off me and he wanted to actually get into investing in video games as an extra thing. And yeah, yeah. and I said to him, look, you know, you, you're going to be waiting four or five years to, to see some, some significant gain. Don't think of what's happened in the last few years yeah, as a norm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in, my dad bought a Spider-Man, an amazing Spider-Man number one in 93 for, I think, 400, sold it for five or 600 in um, 96 because he upgraded mm. and then bought it back in 98 for 500. Yeah. So there was like no movement in the market. But you think about something like mm. a Fantasy 15 in 2012 was uh, 2,000 USD in a good. And in 2016, it was 4,000 USD in a good. Yeah. Yeah, I think last I think, year we, we saw him hitting thirty thousand USD. It was yeah. just totally exponential year on year, and that yeah. I think we've passed that period at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so. definitely. In my opinion, I don't think that's sustainable in that in that curve no. of growth, right? Um, no. But I do definitely think that the general awareness of comics as a tangible asset to invest in. It's it's a lot more broader in the sense of people are accepting yeah. of it. So non-comic readers are trying to get into it, which ironically yeah. then again drives demand and drives prices. So maybe yeah. it's a temporary thing. And by temporary, I mean a 20-year thing in the M- MCU. We've seen the heyday and people will stop caring about superheroes the way stop the way they stopped caring about uh martial arts in the 90s or westerns and yeah 70s. look I, I think you're right for the most part but at the same time I and mean, when we've now got hedge funds a hedge fund bought a tech 27 um mm-hmm. it was a yeah. big ride I, I think there's a difference though between blue chip comics the the top yes. 20s of the eras um and yeah. speculative books that's three years old um I, yeah 100 percent. yeah and i think that uh rush to slab mentality will probably counteract any opportunity of value that those books will bring in my opinion no there's probably no more, i agree or slab 9.8s mm. of many of the modern keys than there are raw copies so we've talked about this so many times haven't we the yeah. stuff that will be expensive is the stuff that you don't think will be expensive that's why it will be expensive yep. later yeah because no one jumped yeah on that's it, right you know I mean? yeah yeah um but I, th- I think I think as as a society we we've started to 
we're, we're turning over rocks now thinking what can we invest in you know yeah what's the I mean, next comic so yeah, yeah well but j- just things not not even you know like not even talking about comics and the, the you know the, the the different genres in comics but you know i mean there's people for a short amount of time we're dropping vast amounts of cash on nfts and all that type of stuff so I think that yeah. certainly the comics are going to have a lot more enduring value than that type yeah. of flash in the pan. Yeah. But having said that, I think that 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 um, otherwise people that aren't otherwise engaged in comics will be looking for opportunities which comics can present. I mean, we've we've talked about like you said, there's hedge funds now, and there's there's organisations where you can you know you can invest in fine art, um, and it's seen as being a lot more stable than a lot of the other places to yeah. put your money you absolutely. Know? absolutely and, and yeah. comics i think when you look at the, the 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 steady upward trend of comics you know um well even before the movies and even before the boom there was always an upward trend so you know you go back to 2005 you get a cap one or a batman one with no back cover for about three four thousand usd by 2009 2008, 2009, before the movie hype really kicked off in 2012, they'd still gone up to about nine, ten thousand USD, which is threefold. I mean, find a stock that's going to do that in that time period. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's really hard to do. Yeah. The S and P 500 does what two, two and a half percent historically. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. Growth, so. And I think I think it's still safe as houses, right? It it might not just see that exponential growth that we've been seeing in the past ten years. No, that's right. I think, it, it levels market, out. You know, I think with, that's healthy. Yeah. And the market with you know with inflation and cost of living and war in Ukraine, all that shit affects people and their ability to pay rent and pay gas and all that type of stuff. So we see a lot of shading as well. A lot of people came into the market thinking we're gonna go buy every comic we can find and mm-hmm. get rich. And now they're like, Well, I need the cash more than I need the comics. So that's right. That and in it'll, itself look, it'll... is dropping the values a little bit. Yeah. Well, and they'll always come back. They're not gonna go to zero. I think I I mean I'm absolutely I, no one knows it's the million dollar question where's the bottom but i i actually if you look at the stock market you look at currencies like especially the us currency because that's what it's measured against you look at crypto um they've all been i mean we never know if it's a dead cap bounce where it's it's going to go lower but they seem to have tapered off um and you know you're seeing some slight increases one in on stocks the stock markets the last two months crypto is the same it's gone from yeah. you know 800 billion back up to 1.1 trillion um, for total market cap, even some key comics, you're seeing a slight uptick, Magic the Gathering, et cetera. Um, same with video games. They're all slowly looking like on the higher end stuff, they're coming back yeah. up. And on yeah. cheap comics, which you you sell, you, you buy to sell or you, you want them to fill your your gaps, um, I mean, they don't really go up, they don't really go down. So yeah. that's where, for it's me true, personally, man. my focus has shifted is, is in the last year when – you know, there was a lot of risk involved in buying more expensive comics because they just heated up so much. Yeah, I made more of a shift towards bulk cheap comics, and you know, we've spoken about it, Neville. Some of those yeah. large purchases. Yeah, um, where it's, and and you play the volume game. I think we had Leon on the yeah. on the the first episode where we we're talking about it, right. It's you. It's really patience. You just got to yeah. turn over that stock, and um, it's a little bit more hard work than the flashy big key items that you sell and get great returns on but it's very safe you know it's not yeah and there's great margin well, in it you know you yeah you're not ble- bleeding money by owning 20 boxes they're just sitting there and until you sell them they're just sitting there um it is they're all opportunity yeah, i agree um yeah, well let's so, speak I'm, I'm really desperate to hear about anything but comics now i want to hear yeah. about yeah. Uh, all right uh, yeah yeah your other stuff yeah. like your, so, uh... that's it man and the reason we have you on the call obviously um love talking comics but uh um, ben, is that, ben, ben is that avid gamer and he's always been okay. and um, a man of my past, heart so. yeah mm. and over the past six months I've started dabbling in retro games and vintage games from the 80s and just shit that I played or superior related stuff or you know a combination yeah. of the two but really it is like walking down a corridor blindfolded backwards <laughs> and the place will be trapped. Just, <laughs> so I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing. <laughs> so, something that I've no. moved on a little from myself, just as a background, you know, for yourself, James, is uh, my my happy place as a kid was like flashback. Um, 
Burke Street um, next door to McDonald's. So all of those old arcade games, I, I just I fell in love with them. So I, I bought them for a while and I would do up arcades and pinballs. But there reaches a point where you've got to go uh, enough's enough because your house gets full of them, you know, and it yeah, seems to be an all or nothing thing. So there's not a, uh, a, a there's not an arcade game in the house, but um, I can certainly appreciate that, and I, I understand how much easier consoles and uh, and and you know just as far as like an inventory and a storage point of view, and how much real estate they take up is is a much much better way to go, you know. Yeah. And in terms of store wealth, like they, they, I mean, I don't collect games. Unlike as I was talking about comics, I don't collect games so much as an investment. I mean, it is a store wealth regardless. But I, I mm. got into it because I was passionate about it, and for a similar reason, even I've thought to myself, you know, when I started, I, I growing up, I, I enjoyed comics, but I didn't start reading comics until I was in my teens. Um, I read a few early on, but with games, I was playing games since I was four years old, three years, maybe three going on four. Um, I, I tried Super Mario on the NES. I mean, I still have my first game uh, that, that I bought. And I thought to myself, well, I, I was collecting comics and toys because I was brought up to do so. And I wasn't passionate and loved the covers, but I um, I was, I wanted to collect video games and had a large video game collection purely because I love playing the fucking things. You know that was that was that was my passion. Did you, did you have the foresight to? Did you have the foresight to keep it uh, like in great nick and keep the flyers and keep the boxes? Um, well, this is this is my first game. Doesn't look in too good a nick. You can oh, see, yeah, yeah. The stick is peeling, but you know, for a yeah. five-year-old, I didn't do too bad. I was always talking about care of things. So no uh, yeah. So that was Murray Brothers one, yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. was you know, funnily enough, that's the era I. Grew up in it was still there. Um, mm. Growing up, couldn't afford. My parents were young parents back when I started playing. They, the Super Nintendo and sixty four and PlayStation came a bit later. But up until I was about six, seven years old, I had the NES. Um, mm. And they were coming off their, you know, the, they were kind of being phased out as the console by ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, I was counting backwards your age to see what what year we're talking mm-hmm. about because that game. Yeah. That, Super Mario that came out in 1988-89-right-85-was-the-American-release-and-86-87-was-the-European-UK-release-and-86-87-was-the-European-UK-release-and-86-87-was-the-European-UK-release-and-86-87-was-the-European-UK-release-and-86-87-was-the-European-UK-
going to flea markets and buying games there and it was considered bootleg but it was also yeah it wasn't english the covers weren't english the <laughs> plugging the game wasn't english but you still knew what the fuck was going on it's kind yeah, of played it right? no one cared i mean i, I don't think you know when yeah. you as i said when i was four or five years old i wasn't reading the text on the screen i just <laughs> pressed buttons, yeah, jumped yeah. and random side scrolling platformers um you know yeah. same with arcade games ben you know you yeah. yeah, there was not much story back then. I must say, I do feel like I missed out on an era of gaming because of, um, I think I was twelve when my dad first brought home a PC, so I converted from Atari console straight Race. to PC, yes. which PC was nineteen eighty six, right or eleven? Yeah, it was eleven. Yeah. So I was playing. Yeah, I went straight into arcade games but on pcs and then king's quest and Heroes quest and all those type uh, of you games know, you know what the thing about it was and totally missed consoles poor motherfuckers right was that if you had uh whether it was a c64 and amstrad or an amiga 500 or then you know um getting into pc games after that yeah you could go and you had a network of your dodgy friends that you know you'd all have these the games that were you know you'd go to your mate's place and buy a hundred games for for like a hundred bucks and you'd yeah. get a whole a whole library of games um just because it was cheaper yeah it was yeah. cheaper to do that stuff on on not not um pc this you know yeah but pc you could just that. copy the fucking games yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah same with like playstation i didn't even know if we had uh playstation oh yeah. sorry pc games i don't know where to go to buy them I just went to my friends. Yeah. I remember. Really, just I, I still remember those. They're kind of like these um, filing systems for the old. Was it five and a half? Or was it five and a quarter and three and a half inch drives? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The, yeah. It's, flick, yeah. So yeah. You'd have like, it's like a yeah, short yeah. box of comics yeah, with floppy like, disks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. With with all of the all of the um the titles written in texture and shit. Yeah. Uh, but it was the same. Like when PS One came out, uh, you go up and get it. Um, modded at some market, yeah. you know, somewhere. Yeah, I did yeah, that. They won't, I think they most ninety percent yeah. of kids did that back then. You know, and it, was, oh, it was awesome. And no you thought had, the, and you thought the, the, the PlayStation writing proper. You know, how when they when you modded it, you modded it, you got this crazy. You chipped it. You had this crazy PlayStation writing. Like it's all yeah. blurred out and stuff. Yeah. Oh, now look, good old days, huh? Yeah, and it was good fun, and I think that's why you circle back now, and you know, you you wish you you bought more. Or you could afford to buy Absolutely, more. That yeah, was yeah. that was the big thing, as the kids say, yeah. with anything else. But yeah. um, you know, I th I think that's most kids, and I think that's why I was a bit fortunate that I got into collecting video games uh, a little earlier than most. I mean, it was still expensive when I seriously started picking it up back yeah. in 2012. But you could still get a sealed Mario back then for a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. Fast forward to now and. You know, depending on whether it's Palo NTSC or what release, because some of the the old NES games, there's you know, it's not like a comic. You might have a couple of variants, especially in the old ones. Like Superman one had four prints, yeah. um, and Marvel Comics one had four prints. But uh, Mario one, God, just in NTSC had what ten plus releases. Palo was the same. Um, and there's information. I mean, you can Google. Um, NTSC Mario One releases this charts. I've got the charts on my yeah. phone because I always look to, to know when. And, and which what's it? What's the significant difference there? Is it literally the year's released? It could be anything from eighty five or eighty six to ninety or ninety one or whatever. Yeah, so ninety ninety is. So it's the technically last like a reprint, yeah. Reprint, yeah, that's reprint, right. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, they're still worth a lot of money. Um, yeah. You know, if you had a sealed ninety March Super Mario One NTSC. You probably can get them for ten to twenty thousand um, USD, yeah. um, pal equivalent. Um, that's raw. If you get them graded, they're significantly yeah. more. But um, we're talking sealed. But if you get a first print sealed raw, you're probably talking half a million. And yeah, you know, graded wow. that at the so, peak so, last year, they were yeah. two million. Talking about raw versus grade. You you're well aware, obviously, that CGC entered the market for gaming grading. Um, yeah. Despite that, there's always been game graders, and I've seen it being graded over the past few years. Yeah, Water and Water yeah. and VGC are yeah. the two main ones. Yeah. So, do you think CGC entering that market has disrupted it to the point where people who didn't traditionally buy games now buy games because they have confidence in CGC and say, Yeah, I, okay, I well, think so. I mean, 
if you go back a year ago, because I've never really graded my games or most of them. Um, I didn't care to. So this yeah. is the most valuable one I've got. Uh, just nice. field number two, Palais. It's, it's ironically but, the one I miss. I'm missing. I'm just trying to throw it out there. In all the games I own, that's the one I'm missing. Obviously, <laughs> is your sealed? That's sealed. So with Palais, I mean it's in the plastic case, but they're sticker sealed. So the US NTSC yeah. don't have a sticker. They they it's a plastic like cellophane like wrapping. They shrink wrap them. Um, the, only the ironically the early print. Test market, which are the, all the black boxes like Super Mario One, um, Excite Bike, all those the seventeen earliest what's called the test market games, which are your golden age of the the NES, and they're essentially the the premier games. Donkey Kong when they ported it from arcade number one, they were originally released with a sticker seal, and then they swapped over to um, shrink wrapping them later. Okay. So those. Yeah, the, the, if you had one of them in an NTSC, um, you're yeah. talking some mega dollars. Um, on PAL, you know, besides Mario, you can probably, or Donkey Kong, you could get most of them for 5K or under sealed. Um, mm -hmm. Something like what I just showed is a lot less. Um, I paid about 2K when I bought it. Um, I was ironically the losing bidder at three and a half grand on eBay. Um, um, the winning bidder fell through and I got approached and I said, no, I'm not going to give you three and a half anymore. I'll give you yeah, two yeah, if you yeah. wanted. In, in, in case of shill bidding, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Um, but that market's also come back a lot. It's yeah, it's and it's ironic because I mean, you you almost justified it earlier when you said as a kid you don't think about it. you don't have the foresight to think, oh, I'm going to unwrap this neatly. I'm going to keep the little slipcase. I'm going to keep keep the 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 documents. Nobody did. So despite the <laughs> fact that it was made to be disposable and people actually treated it as something disposable in the short term. Um, that probably ironically drove where the market is now, where there's not that many. There's probably more than people think. There's probably more than people think, I'm assuming, yeah. but it's not that many that's at high grade and sealed or at high grade. No, and, and it's a massive market cap when you think about it. So you look at it's it's very different to other industries where you you look at an, an old toy and even without the box, there's a lot of value. You know, yeah. something like this, you could still go and pick up for 15 bucks. Yeah, probably less. If you find it a market, you might get it for five dollars or something. Yeah, you're literally where, buying the box and uh, yeah, yeah, and even you know you go and buy a complete in box one, you can still get it uh, for one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. Um, even a really nice box, um, unless it's going to get something like a nine or nine point two or all that, yeah, that kind yeah. of equivalency, it it won't um it won't be a lot of money. Um, so do you know? Oh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, I was going to say CGC entering the market, though, I think is going to change a lot of things um, in the long run because there was a – I mean, I can't speak on it personally, but there was a lot of issues. I mean, there's a YouTube video that went for 50 minutes. I watched the whole thing released on game grading and, you know, the inconsistencies, we'll say, and some of the shady stuff that goes on compared to yeah, I've um, seen what happens with, say, yeah. the likes of comics and – yeah. and i've seen i've seen some posts on instagram about it because i'm kind of curious to learn about it right but um some some of the comments were like um where they they grade the aesthetics of the game but never even tested yeah. and things like that so no. it might not even yeah. be working the the other thing is they're limited on their knowledge on like what they do so they're very heavily ntsc and um, if it's wrapped, they oh. just look at, as you said, the aesthetics. That obviously they can't open it. But you go to a pal like I had a Super Mario. I was talking the heritage about a, a Super Mario one I had. I wanted to to get graded and and sell. And I remember they said, "Oh, well, it's got two stickers. It must have been resealed." And and I had to actually go through and explain to them, "No, in you know, in the what um, Nintendo had done is in the early days, if a game was you know returned, open and returned." They test it very early on. So if it was like a new, you know, how EB do a seven-day return, the equivalent of that, someone didn't want the game, changed their mind or something, they already had it. What Nintendo would do is they'd reseal the box with an extra sticker. Yeah. So it wasn't that it was resealed. No, but it's very fucking interesting. I think um, even Heritage, like you said, they they wouldn't know enough to know enough about stuff. And I, I uncovered that. No, it's their, new. Yeah, with their, um, they recently had a foreign comic auction with 500 lots on that. It wasn't described correctly. the The common commentary was wrong. 
a lot of things got underbid because they didn't treat the comics or didn't actually call out what they were or the relevance of them. Um, so it sounds like they are they are really good at what they do, but they're also very generalist in their approach. Um, That's right. And the, the I've done a lot of business with them in um, original art as well and animation yeah. arts, another rabbit hole again. But, you know, I've spoken to them um, about various pieces over the years. And you're right, they're generalists. Um, they keep life simple for themselves. You, you, you kind of put your faith in them to know what they're doing. But if you can't do that, what's the other avenues? How do you, with confidence, go to the market and sell games? Yeah, so, I mean, it's quite interesting. Understand, I mean, as you said, heritage, they're generalists, but you can also use it to your advantage. Um, where would I sell a, a video game on heritage? Um, not if it's PAL, if it's NTSC, they're really good. Um, if I was doing PAL, I'd probably just put it on Worldwide eBay. That's yep. the the cornerstone for gaming. Yep. Um, bar a Super Mario Brothers one that's sealed and graded and all that. Um, but as I said, I probably wouldn't grade any video games unless they were sealed. Yeah. Um, especially if they're not NES, if there's like Super Nintendo or 64, I wouldn't grade them at all. Yeah, um, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I think there are a lot of people whose asses are itching at the moment to get shit graded purely because they can, because yeah. CGC does, right? Yeah. I've been talking to some of the guys on Grail and they're like, "Oh, we should all send a game just to own one that is great. It might come back worth less than we paid for it." <laughs> and most but, times, it will. but it's almost a novelty, right? I think it's almost yeah. a novelty to a degree at the moment. But I, was, I think it's also part of the pleasure of enjoying that learning curve to realize three years from now, what the fuck was I doing by sending that game in? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, we, about... We've all done that whether it's cards or comics yeah. or otherwise yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about like values, obviously you do, you do a lot of um, super Nintendo stuff, uh, original NES stuff. How far does the, the grading culture or the collecting culture go back in terms of, of video games? Is it, because previous to that, you had ColecoVision, Intellivision, Atari. Is there the same community supporting those as well? Yeah, look, Atari, well, definitely Atari, the 2600 got a huge mm. community. And, I mean, to the point, it's not, I mean, it's not just, the value is not as, as strong in Atari. Um, you'd think it'd be more because it's sold. It's known as the golden age of gaming. Yeah, but they were um, selding millions because they were the only yeah, player yeah. in the market. Mm. That's right. And, I mean, you look at, Games like ET, which ironically killed Atari, yeah. and was meant to be the the biggest game ever, um, or Pac Man, which was very buggy at the time. They made so many of them. They buried ET in the desert. That was the yeah. you know the funny yeah, thing. Yeah, that yeah. was they're just so mass produced that they'd never have value. And great people do grade them, as Neville said. You're probably killing the value of the game by grading it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't really grade many games. I've grade. I've looked to get. You know, as I said, some of the, the the test market games, if they're complete in box and in high grade, those early seventeen test market games, mm-hmm. um, which I can always share a list on Grower Hunters, yeah, Facebook page. They're they're the exception. Yeah. Um, getting them high grade, they're going to fetch a lot of money, even if they're not yeah. sealed, and as long as they're complete. And in I think box. I think that's that's probably part of it. Like, you know, being in the comic community and chasing books for 30 years you know all the websites to go to look for what's hot what's error prints what's foreign prints blah 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 but gaming i don't know if they've got that infrastructure and that no. online visibility into to to the point where you can see 19 day gpa the way you can go no with comics right no you can't and the, the market's not optimized either um and and to be honest it's a very it's a very hard market to optimize so at the moment it really values there's a lot of value in it for those that have experience that know what they're doing. Um, and as I said, I've specialized in PAL because it's a lot less optimized against kind of going out and buying Newton comics 10 years yeah. ago yeah. because yeah, yeah, they yeah. were not worthless, yeah. but they were a lot cheaper yeah. pro rata. Yeah, this all translates to opportunity for me. <laughs> it, it does. And, and, you know, if you type in on Heritage, for instance, um, ITA and go um, past sales, there was an Italian. Um, Pal A release. I missed the auction. Don't know how. Um, of a Mega Man One graded, um, brand new. So it didn't have a sticker. And once again, you have to understand that not all of the Pal A releases had stickers. Some yeah. of them were just a game you could open it brand new. But 
they they sold it for fifteen hundred US. To put in the context, um, a US equivalent would have probably fetched well over hundred k US. Jesus, wow. um, same game, same get much yeah. rarer, yeah, much more desired. It's almost um, like it's almost like the UK variant of X Men One ten years ago, where people were like, oh, it's a reprint. <laughs> yeah, but and it wasn't. So I mean, you know, yeah. the UK defense comics were actually. That it not only are they the same comic interior, everything's the same. They were actually released first. So yeah, what it's the same as APVs, would do is, Yeah, yeah, they would put them on the printing rack first, on the yeah. press first, because, because there was less volume. Shop. Get them out the yeah. way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's very similar. Um. But if you had, a, if they had to put that on eBay, the owner, they probably would have fetched twenty, thirty grand. Wow. So. Um, talk about yeah, you know, it's probably detrimental to myself to mention this, but if you go put an ITA on your weekly search on Heritage and it comes up, yeah, you get a and you like pal, you can get a really good buy. Um, or you put in UKV, um, which is the UK Palais, that's how Heritage listed, yeah, um, you can get a really good buy, yeah, um, and it's also understanding that the subsidiaries, so for instance. With a lot of the later NES games, Gig produced the Nintendo for Italy. So if you type in PAL Gig, you can get once again a good PAL A game on eBay. Yeah. That because of the search engine algorithms goes under the radar. So understanding that SEO on the different platforms, you can get a heap of good buys. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, out here, it's they're a lot scarce. It's far and few between. Um, yeah. There is actually some Australian specific releases for say Mario one and Mario three, like Battle Toads, where it says you know made for Australia and New Zealand market. Mm. I've never seen a brand new copy of any of them. They're just rumours. Um, yeah. A guy did do a YouTube video about five years ago saying out a Super Mario three that looked to be unopened. Um, and the biggest way to tell if a game is unopened is by the way, especially or it's been resealed. If you look at the top, there's no paint. If you look at the top, there's no paint break. So if yeah. you imagine you open that flap, as soon as you bust that seal and open it, yeah, it'll yeah. break paint. Um, oh, you mean on the edge away. itself? On the edge itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it'll where where you're opening that corner there yeah. that gets bent, the paint breaks. Um, um, I'm getting overloaded here. I only just got my heads around, you know, uh, <laughs> foreign reprints with comics and now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, there's a lot to it, and, and that's the thing. Like, there's a there's a, there's a you, huge huge amount to learn. Yeah. So, so you just mentioned something that I wanted to ask you anyway, right? So, how do you know people aren't dodging just resealing the game and selling you as a a side well, of the paper? Right? So if somebody yeah, goes, so you, they got a fucking shrink wrap machine at home, and they're like, oh, everything I have is sealed. How the how do you yeah. know? I didn't know what's in there. That's the only way to truly tell, because okay. it will one hundred percent break the paint. Yeah, one hundred percent break the oh. paint, and and that's why another reason. Sorry, to circle back to it, but CGC coming into the market are really good because they understand these that's things from dealing time. with comics and notes, etc. Mm. So you look at water, and they'll say if there's any white, they'll assume well it's been opened. But Even we know if from it's just figures, worn edges. we know from comics, you can get worn edges, yeah, as well, and it's a different look to it. So I've had these conversations with them as well. They just try to reduce their risk, right? Yeah. Um, they don't want to be exposed They're on for the anything. side of caution. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Look good. And I get it's, right. it's a difficult thing, you know, because like I, I know like figures with, with AFA grading and all that type of stuff, you know. It's, because the gaming industry is so new. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's in its packet, you know what I mean? Like the bubble, when the bubble gets removed, that's it. But this is just, you know, it's something that's designed to be opened carefully. So I never even thought about paint breaking and stuff like that. Yeah, but, like uh, you, paint breaking is the only way to tell. And as I said, mm. you'll get that white, you'll, you'll see it. And, it, you know, anyone that's opened a, a trade paperback or a, a book, novel, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you'll know straight away. You, <laughs> Neville opening and a condom in his way. early 20s. You'll see mm -hmm. it. <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> you'll know it's open. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just love the thought of all these stories, you know, of people losing tens of thousands of dollars just for uh, just to satisfy their curiosity and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the same as you were talking earlier about selling stuff for, uh, you know, uh, not on the piss, you know, and it harks back to what I think about, um, yeah, those old stories about someone um, buying a pizza with Bitcoin back in the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, it happened all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I got, I got it, I got it. 
I got a fun question. All right, going back to the name of the group and the name of the podcast being Grail Hunters. What's the biggest game in terms of gaming? What's the biggest score you've had? Mine, yeah, I'd probably say in terms of nearest and dearest would have been a top loader Ness. So in '93, Ness released a separate top loader. Yeah. Um, which was basically structured to look similar to the Super Nintendo, but for the kids that couldn't afford a Super Nintendo. So it was a um, shrink-wrapped, sealed, big W, cleared yeah. copy. Um, I bought for 1800 in 2018, 2019. Um, paid too much for it at the time, but it went up quickly past yeah. that. You knew what you um, had, right? And that was the yeah, the nearest and dearest to me because if you understand consoles, that's actually one of the rarest released consoles because okay. Australia is such a small market, and NES yeah. didn't take off the same way in Australia, and that's yeah. what I had as a kid. It just ticked all the boxes in terms yeah. of value. That's probably the most valuable one. Yeah, um, I mean, like a year Super ago, I had an offer too, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an offer of like eight k, yeah. turned it down. Um, it's not worth eight k now. It's quickly come back because. There's a correct. This market was so overinflated. Um, yeah. mm. It was like the crypto of gaming. Yeah. Yeah. This and Pokemon cards, they were all just, they'd climb so quickly because of all that social media hype. Yeah. And then obviously tumbled oh, down. Man, I, I tell you, it was crazy during COVID. I saw people, you know, the, the raffle pages, people were closing X Men 1 at 25K US. And they're like, do you take Bitcoin? I'll take it. And then they just close it. Then there's like two players. One guy's got two spots. Another guy's got 98 spots. And yeah, he's just like, yeah. it's not real money. I'm going to fucking play with crypto. I don't care. And he got his X-Men 1 out of it. It is insane. I, I don't know the, the the time we've lived through in the past three years. In, oh, I knew, collecting I, knew wanting, yeah. I knew a guy wanting the cash in a it, local here. I don't want to say his name. He might get upset. But he wanted the cash in a 9.8 ASM 129 for uh, Bitcoin. Or yeah. Ethereum. Mm. Yeah. I said, please. Well, isn't don't. that the one that's sold though? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. There's a, there yeah, is a 9.8 in Australia that's sold, right? Yes. Well, but I don't think it's the same one. Not the same one. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, yeah, I've, I mean, yeah, we all saw these crazy things happen and it was a good time to make quick money. Um, but as yeah. I said, I think that's over at the, the iron. And... The irony, 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 though, is that to a degree, you've get you get guys who are purely in it for investment and you get guys who are in it for collecting and they they hold on. <laughs> they just like, oh, I'll give it 10 years, it'll double again. And um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, miss I'm that quite opportunity and it'll never, it'll never come back, right? Yeah, even in investments, I mean, if, if it's down, I'll write it to zero. I've always had that mentality. But, um, I mean, I love comics as, as well. And if you said to me, um what do you collect or what do you invest? It's two different things to me. I've always yeah. separated the two. And I, I mean, the comics or games I like aren't necessarily worth anything. So that Mario is not the favorite thing in my oh, collection. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's the most valuable in my gaming yeah. collection. It's yeah. the same. I think we said in investing in comics, I only buy Fantasy 15s to his days to store because, well, predominantly because that's where the money is. You buy one a year, you're it's happy. Safe as <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, when things go down, they don't go down by as Yeah, much. I remember us chatting about that, and me pouring hate on you. And <laughs> oh, you only have so many. That's great. First appearance yeah, well. well, I've been buying them a long time, so. Yeah, no, it, cool. yeah. It's cool. the It's the trick, you know, and cool. you ride the market up. But um, in collecting comics, but I quite do you know what, the, do you know what they're worth? Yeah, I read, I, was, I think it was too, sorry, uh, Ben, I might bore you to death here, but I read in 2015-16 a massive article on Comic Link about approach to collecting where the guy said so many people are completists and want to own one to 800 of X-Men and they'll start and try and buy them all at the same time and as a result of that they'll never afford number one because they're always chasing 900 comics and they're all like, go for the fucking biggest one and the most expensive one first and then you worry about the rest. Um, and I don't think necessarily a lot of people have that mentality. They're just like, well, at least if I've got 799 of the 800, I'm 99% there, but I'll never own number one because I'm chasing everything else at the same time. Well, yeah, I agree. I've always had that mentality and I've always advised everyone I've spoken to about that. I mean, I was a broke kid in uni. Um, yeah. Didn't have a side job or anything. I had the, the 
the what's it called? I can't remember the youth allowance thing you get when you study. Uh, I bought a Batman study. one. You know, like a nineteen forty fucking Batman one. Um, mm. At the time, they were a lot cheaper. Yeah, but you know, you, you you get that, and then you got. And I collected. I think I was only missing five issues from one to fifty, yeah. which was a big achievement at the time. But it's doable. You don't need a lot of money to do. It. Even today, yeah. people are like, yeah. oh, it's too expensive. I mean, yeah, Golden Age seems a bit out of the the yeah. way now. But if you said to me, you know, go and collect a Spider Man one to four four one volume one. I reckon I could do it pretty quick with a limited income. I go yeah. and save up, buy the number one, and the rest are yeah, still yeah. Pretty but you go for the big ones first, right? Because yeah. they're only going to get more expensive. And, and it's the, the same in the video reason, games. Yeah, and the reasoning was like by the time you get to number one, it will it will be more than double or triple that of when you started your journey. Always more. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, there's exceptions. You you go back in time and certain books that were, you know, the movie hype and people got in on that. I mean. Now it's all priced in, but I yeah. think it'll be the same with video games to an extent, but I don't think the same extent as comic. I mean, you've got the Mario movie coming out. Yeah, yeah. So do I think it'll change the whole gaming market? No, because games are you, – you look at a movie, and this is one thing I said. I had this conversation um, with my dad because he said, oh, no, movies will change it all. And I said, no, it's not like comics. You think about how many people openly read comics before the movie or collected comics before the movies. Or how many people knew who Captain America was before yeah, yeah. 2012? Not yeah. many. Yeah. But you look at um, Super Mario Brothers 3, for instance, back in, in 90, 1990, it had something like 50 million sales or 50 million in sales mm-hmm. of revenue. I can't remember which one. It was far more than any movie at the time. Yeah. You know, in terms of what it sold, the revenue it generated. Do you look at like Pokemon? Pokemon's the highest grossing. Um, pop culture yeah. phenomenon. Star Wars had done forty-two billion in twenty eighteen in total revenue of product. That's all the figures, everything from 1970, 1977 to the twenty eighteen. Pokemon had done fifty-six billion in half the time. Insane. Mm. So, yeah. It, I wonder. I wonder though, when we talk about this type of thing, like, like, let's extend it forward, like, like how everything now is virtual, like. Yeah. You don't get hard copies of anything. You go to the Steam store, you go to Origin, you know, um, to, to purchase the game. Yeah. Where, where does that leave the collectible market sort of post, say, 2015, when that shift sort of happened from physical games to, to you know, you, you just go and you buy it online? Well, I think um, physical it, games will only go up because of it. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, yeah. everyone thought digital comics would take yeah. over the comic market when that phenomenon mm. happened. But you look yeah. at video it's games. Tried like we just, twice. Yeah. We just bought yeah. a, you know, there's a new Harry Potter Hogwarts my wife bought. She like, she's a gamer as well, yeah, yeah. like me. And um, She just went and bought the collector's edition. Like, we got the yeah. collector's edition. And so there will always be a place for the physical item. It might be slightly less, but I think, People love having a tangible item or tangible asset. Yeah. I, I uh, always see almost the rebirth of vinyl and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. I was just gonna say I almost related back to vinyl because of the fact that mm. any vinyl prints are very limited in quantity because they know mm. the majority of the sales digital. So so many of them would be like, Oh, limited release of five hundred blue or yeah. colored vinyl or whatever. And that's it. There's not gonna be a And it's the same with game I mean, games have had ROMs for decades. I mean as, yeah, as we yeah. were talking about before, the cheap ROM on the computer to get it and you mm. put in a controller. You know, Nintendo did these, the minis. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Yeah. I've, I've, I've got all, I bought all of them straight away because yeah. it's quick and easy to play. Um, It's convenient. but It's it weird on a big screen where it's just a little square in the middle there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. Only a 65-inch and it's just like a block. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I, I think, like, there will always be that physical element. And, you know, we say new games. I remember people in the 90s saying new comics would never go up. Or comics, mm-hmm. they're like anything post. My dad stopped collecting in the 70s, like, like as soon as it hit 80s, and said it'll never be worth anything. I mean, fast forward to now. Yeah. I yeah, mean, no, you've got, back then there was no copper age. Yeah. And games are the same. People used to say games would mm-hmm. never be worth anything because they're so mass produced mm-hmm. and all this. You look at them there for the market cap and the available market space. A Super mm-hmm. Mario 1 hitting 2 million. When you think yeah. about what Fantasy Fifteen was three and a half million, mm. yeah, oh, we, and... we we do st- we, we see it still, but I don't, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure if that's lasting, like like how uh, the virtual stuff does does have value to it, you know. Like think of all of the CSGO stuff, you know, like yeah. knives and skins and all that type of stuff. Oh, yeah. Traded for I'm huge thinking. amounts of money, huge amounts of money. But how, how lasting is that is the thing, you know what I mean? Like at well, least it doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's only there as long as the game is played. Something you have it in your hand, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's um, a tangible asset. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and you you look at if someone you know, World of Warcraft's the same, and all those mounts and stuff you could get. If World of Warcraft, if the server was shut down like Warcraft Three was in 2019, all of a sudden that stuff all disappears oh. if it's no longer oh. supported. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder. So, if, yeah, yeah. It, hmm. it it is interesting. Yeah, that's what I always the, like to have a tangible asset. But yeah, the virtual is really relying on that the the faith that the third party or the 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 provider is is going to you know keep that platform going. Yeah. Um, and so it's yeah, it's it's funny because it, it just seems so much more vulnerable in that kind of that gaming world than there's really not a lot of differentiation between that and say. Uh, Bitcoin, you know, as far as how how it's supported, Bitcoin will always be supported. I think like these well, type of game things will be supported, but yeah, I mean, it's moved past its original intent. Bitcoin really has it was meant to be a mm. form of currency that could be used mm. and traded. Now it's just a it's an asset that's a store wealth. I yeah. mean, no, I don't yeah. go out to the store and use Bitcoin to buy things now. Yeah, even though a yeah. lot of places started accepting it, like KFC did the big thing yeah. in the US with over. People didn't go out there and actively, well, some did, but the majority of people said, no, it's just a store of wealth, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, which, as you were saying before, Neville, I mean, comics, it's what's happened with a lot of comics. People are, or games, people buy them just to try and make money. And a lot of them actually lose money doing that because they're not in it for the long term. Yeah. They may and have They don't understand term. the market. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm- yeah. And it is a dangerous game to play. Yeah, people have thought it's easy. I mean, I've been doing, as, as I said, collectibles in every shape and form for thirty years, and I've, I've lost money sometimes along the way. I've made more, a lot more than I've lost. But if you're just trying to jump in it, and I've seen a lot of people lose a hell of a lot of money jumping in, and then jumping it like almost always, um, yeah. you're exposed. Yeah, it, it's it's the nature mm, of the beast, yeah. and maybe that's the adage here is that that really. As an investor, it's really, really knowing your market inside out. That's the single best asset you could have as an investor. Um, you know, we're we're lucky because you know, we're especially Neville and yourself, or not not me to 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 the same extent. But you know your subject material. Like like I said about Neville many times. You know, I can I can thumb through a long box. I've got no fucking idea what I'm looking at. It could be the wheat or could be the chaff, you know, I've, I've got no idea. But, you know, after a lifetime of being focused on a particular market, Neville will pick up uh, a book out of a $2 box that's worth 20 bucks. you know what I mean? And it's knowing that market and, and, and having that sort of lifelong research into something which makes you a lot more... Um, not invulnerable, but a lot more resilient. Yeah, to yeah. All the foibles of yeah, trading, yeah, yeah. you know? There's a lot less risk associated with it, right? Mm. But yeah. on the other hand, I also at the same time love dabbling in other fucking shit that is high. Oh, risk. Well, that's why we're having and this high conversation risk, today. Not high risk because yeah. Yeah. the the commodities high risk, but high risk because I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah. so whatever um, I do in the comics, I offset with other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I do the same. I mean, video games was all self-taught, and I've lost. You know, I've bought games that I thought was, and that's how I've learned the things I've learned because I lost yeah. money. I'm like. I can't do that again. Yeah. Um, that's an expensive yeah. so, so, so talking about gaming, is there a gaming 101 page or website where people can be like, oh, I'd love to get into it or dabble in it without spending a house's money or there's, uh, risking there's, my pants? There's heaps. Unfortunately, they're predominantly all NTSC. So, I mean, if I was investing, I'd be investing in NTSC, mm. even though that's not what we grew up with in Australia. Um, that's the US tied because yeah. uh, they lead the market. You know, yep. Yeah, and that's where there's grading, that's where there's backing. You know, Comic Connect are in on it, Metropolis are in on it now. Comic Link have um, their, I can't remember what they call it, but the Collectible Link 
and Heritage are in on it. And when when big big players like that, big auction houses are getting in on something, it's going to create a market. Now they are in PAL as well, but to a lesser extent. But in saying that, I I've seen there's a lot. It's a lot easier to make big spreads on PAL, as I said, because there's such yeah. there's yeah. S- such um, obscurity to it. Yeah. And there's a lack of knowledge. I mean, I'm I'm not a guru, but comparatively to a lot of people, I, I'm considered one. Yeah. Um, and I've gone out there and but, I've focused on Nest specifically because yeah. that's where the bulk of, of the value is. Yeah. But drawing a parallel again to American comics and UK prints and APVs and all that type of stuff, the market lagged a bit. The Americans didn't put a value on UK prints and pens variants and APVs until it, they created the general awareness that oh this is two or three percent of the run. The same thing could likely happen with Pell, right? It, it will, so, and, and so if... being able to play in the Pell ecosystem at a relatively r- low risk without really risking a pants, and at the same time <laughs> knowing that sooner or later they'll be like, oh, these got these were both printed in Japan in the same factory with a different yeah. label. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. If you look at, as you said, completionists. If you've collected all the American releases, you're going to want the the UK Italian releases. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. It's like comics, APVs. If you've collected every Spider-Man from volume one, two, three, four, you're going to say, well, I need something else. And it's the same reason there was such a boom in um, pre-hero Golden Age comics, like the more fun and um, new adventure comics, because yeah, yeah. those collectors had collected all the hero, those really big money guys that you know they had the horror stuff action. yeah that's all jumping yeah, and, now, yeah yeah they're like well i need something else this is part of dc um yeah. and it's rare so they would throw as much money as they needed to get that and all of a sudden i remember buying more fun comics for you know issue eight for two hundred dollars and selling it to phil from evil empire yeah, for yeah. five six but it was worthless and all of a sudden it became two four thousand dollars yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you'll still care, but you could, you could do those things. Now, obviously, that market's become optimised. Yeah. It's like Newton Comics. That market is heavily optimised. I'm not an expert on them. That's probably where yeah. I fell short. Yeah. But Power Games will be the same. Um, yeah. That's why at the moment, I I mean, I sit on eBay. I have my daily searches, Heritage, and just roll them over each day to say to see, okay, is there any good opportunities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and every couple of months, there is. Um, you know, I mean, I guarantee you, if you went and bought all the um, the test market uh, games sealed today, which you'd, you'd struggle. I mean, Donkey Kong's extremely rare and Stack Up is extremely rare, but the rest you can obtain. Um, and you held them for 10 years, if you had that set in PAL, um, I guarantee you it'll be worth more than what the US copies are worth now. So a comparative, you know, $2 million yeah, uh, NTSC copy is what your pal uh, first yeah. release would be, which could be the opportunity. Yeah. So you would think, I, had to, I had to remind myself what that that remember we talked about it a while ago the the um the doco on TV. I just had to search it. Nintendo it... Quest, Nintendo Quest. Did you have you watched that? That's where yeah, the guy that. goes out. Yeah. Another really good one. There's, sorry to cut you off, Ben, but the, another really good Netflix documentary is the games that made us. Oh, so they did yeah, the, the love toys. That. That, oh, they, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they, mate? Games that made us, yeah. movies that yeah. made us, toys that made us. They're all great. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they the just other feed thing, your geekness, though. It's fuck me, man. You're like, oh, oh you I get, also you get love excited. that. I also love that. I also need them. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. What's happened out of gaming is, like, as, as I said, I went from. A lot of times I go from something I like in comics to games or toys. But, for instance, in gaming, it's gone reverse. I really like the Nintendo um, Turtles, the original Turtles adventure game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is known to have that water level that no one can beat. But I played that a heap, a shitload as a kid. And from that, I went and got the Turtles comics. I watched the Turtles series. I went and got all the VHSs boxed and then circled back. Now I want all the, the 10 back. I think it's eight or ten back turtles toys carded yeah. so it's become yeah. a, a rabbit hole in itself uh, um yeah. and comics sinister six so the return of the sinister six in the 300s yeah. it, they had the nest for game release 
Yeah. So in my little shrine, I'm building my little collectible room. Yeah. That's got to go with that. Yeah. And that's so awesome, it, it's, it's interesting. You, I think you'll have a lot of people that collect comics by those specific games. Yeah. And there's a heap yeah. of um, comic-related NES and SNES games. You know, Maximum yeah. Carnage, the Super, Death and Return of Superman. Yeah, because it's event-related. It's a point in time that yeah. you yeah. have. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I relate back to, like, even the Turtles, the LAA um turtles arcade machine is going for silly dollars now compared to uh, other titles like you know you're talking three four thousand bucks for an arcade machine you know um that was uh a recabineted thing that they made by leisure allied australia you know um but small market though because not everyone wants a massive no i was i was doing something similar been back in the early 2000s trying to put my engineer degree to use which didn't really yeah. work but i was bringing out you could buy the the actual board to the, yeah. the original um arcade games bring them out and as you said you can buy a kit because it wasn't it wasn't price sustainable like yeah. it just didn't it, does, it wasn't feasible to bring out the whole arcade game because it was heavy it was clunky you essentially yeah. you know needed half a pallet to, to get one out where you yeah. could just bring the board out and and redo it, but um, my hands. Well, that's what they did back in the great. day, you know. Yeah, that's what they did back in the day. Is they just got the boards and then they made the machines here. Um, but one up has got that uh, that 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 sort of covered now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's right. Once right, again, right. it's been optimized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're good because they capture the aesthetics of it. They capture the look and feel of the game. You can, yeah. yeah. Well, three quarters. <laughs> three quarters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> three quarters of like if your mics. If you stand there, far right? away. Yeah. No, I've got, I've got the size. I've got a turtles one, right? So I've got turtles and turtles and time on it, and it yeah. gets played every time my friends over, every time yeah. friends have their kids over, whatever. Those the game goes on and it gets played for hours. Yeah, we're like yeah. serves its purpose. Pac-Man. Pac-Man yeah, yeah. is my one. If it's yeah, arcade, yeah. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious. So so it has to be the dedicated arcade cabinet, you know. Like yeah. I could list them. Don't even get me started. There's like because I, I own I owned a heap of really really rare stuff. And you know who I sold it to? You must know this guy. I don't know if I should mention him by name. Uh, he goes by the Last Gamer. His handle is the Last Gamer. He's prolific on um on uh, uh social media, but he, that sounds I, very familiar. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, um, I think he reputed to have the largest collection in the world, verified by the Guinness Book of World Records at, at one stage. I think he, he's he's been out there recently, but yeah. Oh, anyway, that's insane. He he bought the whole collection off me. He just took it. He came in with a a few trailers and bought everything I had in the house. You know, so. Um, what did you do with the money, oh, Ben? Huh? Yeah. What did you do with the money? Tell us. I I bought a Trans Am. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it. I bought a '78 Trans Am, which is uh, and I've since sold it. But that was yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, I yeah. sold my MTG collection back in 2013, and uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a um, it was I, a sorry I, day. I have a long list of regrets. <laughs> yeah, hindsight's a valuable thing, isn't that the uh, same? Uh, <laughs> you know, we talk about diamond fists. What are my my minor putty fists <laughs> or thin fists? <laughs> Punch hole fists. <laughs> All right. got this hole in the middle of them. Oh man, well, great talking to you today. Yeah, James. man, we've got to no, wrap thanks it for up. having me, guys. Really it's been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd like to think of it as part one. I'm, I think we need to get you on again, educate us. On yeah, whenever you guys and, want, you know, just let me know. I'm yeah. happy to join. As, as I've yeah. said before, never. I love the sound of my voice. You couldn't no, tell. That's us, good, so. man. That's good. Really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. No, yeah. Appreciate on you guys having night. me on. Cool. Yeah, thanks for everything. Have a great night. No worries, guys. Cheers. All right, catch you later, guys. Bye-bye. And that is a wrap. Thanks again for listening. I'm going to leave you guys with Mars by Torrential Thrill. Have a ball, enjoy, and as always, provide a review, subscribe, follow, and provide us feedback. We love it. Thanks, guys.